to Big Red Couch, the podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pitches to you. Greetings, Lister, and welcome to the Big Red Couch. Today on the couch we have, in Ellsbury, where's that? Craig. And back in Auckland, it's me, Ben. We're recording in, you know, our usual... Uh, domiciles in that twilight gap between christmas and new years and it's a struggle (laughs) how are you doing man okay um it snowed today Ooh, fancy yes not it wasn't specifically snowing anywhere where i was I, i could just see the evidence of it having happened and also the train station was so cold I could see my breath in the air while waiting for the train. Granted, it's a pretty big train station, so it's only nominally indoors in that there is a roof, but the roof is a very long way away, and there's nothing actually stopping the cold from getting inside. As I understand it, cold is the least of your worries at the current point. It occasionally has been mercifully a temperature that isn't just muggy, which has been nice. But yes, it is more summery on the side of the world, and the usual sticky, unpleasant Auckland weather, we are getting lots of that. I would suggest Perth as an option. (laughs) It's an option. It involves travel, which I know you're morally opposed to. Of the two summers I spent there, only one of them was hot and incredibly dry. The other one was a little bit cooler, and so muggy that you couldn't sweat anymore. So it's really a bit of a crapshoot. It's no longer possible for you to put any more moisture into the atmosphere to cool down, either because you're dehydrated or you're relatively dehydrated to the, the weather. Anywho, we've already covered some of our, our favourite topics, which include the weather and my being a terrible shut-in. So I think we should probably engage the audience and tell them about what wonderful things we've talked to you about today. On this, the 101st episode of The Big Red Couch, we've got a little bit of an unusual topic for everyone. This one comes to us from... The Big Red Couch thread on the Fear the Boot forums. There'll be miscellaneous links in the show notes. But in this case, it's a joint effort by Taz and Kedamono and is an example of the quick no-time-to-explain image meme. In this case, somebody in military fatigues with some species of military weapon and a horse's head sitting behind the wheel of a bus telling you to get in. That was the prompt. Okay. In in all seriousness, listener, this is probably one of those ones where you should actually just go and visit the website and, and look at the image. Uh, I have no idea how much we're going to be referencing it, but it couldn't hurt. Like I said, this is the doldrums in between. Did you come up with something for this, or should I go first to buy you some time? No, no, I have a completely unstructured kind of rambling nonsense idea, but it is definitely an idea. Those are the best kind. <laughs> they generally are. Uh, happy to lead off, if you like. All right, go for it. To expand on the story of the shagans and the um, the forum thread, Craig countered with a shot from the excellent Doomtree video for the song Grey Duck, where the members of the Minneapolis rap collective known as Doomtree are in a van wearing duck masks, naturally, in the same vein as the uh, the classic internet person with a horse, the, the rubber horse mask on, which naturally intrigued folk and 
kind of where I felt I was going with that and the idea that some movies and a lot of TV shows, because they have less time, start in media ray or res. I think it's properly pronounced ray with. I can ask someone. We, we covered all the bases. Mm. If it's actually in media reg and is named after a guy called Reg from ancient Rome, I'm naturally embarrassed. My face is red. I would have expected by this point either Kev or Greg would have called us on it. Indeed. It seems unlikely that with the people we know, somebody wouldn't have. I've heard both used, and I, I'm using both because some folks get words from pages uh, from, from written texts and some folks get them from like real learning institutes and titter and scoff when us pseudo-intellectuals, because that is what I've always aspired to be. I don't want to be a regular intellectual. That is just too much work. Pseudo-intellectualism is my level. So, it's a fairly common way to introduce the team in the midst of doing their thing. So you can set up the action, you can set up the nature of the program, then what sort of thing you would expect. So it's really front-loaded. Basically, give it all the information you can and hook people who are going to be hooked by this particular thing immediately. I've got to say, even though they messed with it fairly severely, the first presented episode of Firefly, I can see with, when they played them out of order and played the train job first, I can see kind of why. There is something to be said for not doing the long introduction, but instead just dumping the audience right in it. I mean, my favourite opening of the Stargate family of shows, and one of my favourite openings of a sci-fi TV show of all time is the opening for Stargate Universe, which I liked, but I do not feel was a good show. I was genuinely amazed they got a second season. I was mildly surprised I got a second half of the first season, but the opening was just stone-cold brilliant, because it's done completely in in media res or in media ray. You, as the audience, have no sodding idea what's going on, which puts you on more or less the same peg as the characters. It's been a long time. I didn't enjoy the presentation, largely because they had the English character actor in for the crusty scientist. Robert Carlyle? Yes. And anything with Robert Carlyle, it's just got an extra bit of, uh, a little bit more oomph. And he was playing an utter dick. Oh, yeah. And doing a good job of it. And basically play Big B in space. Toned down a little bit, a little bit less psychopathic, but yeah. Yes, yes. From The, the character from Chain, Train Spotting, whose, whose function of the entire story is actually wrapped up in the trailer where he hurls a a beer glass over his shoulder into a crowd just for something to do. So, like I say, lots of, especially TV shows, they are going for broad appeal and possibly explaining what the fuck is going on to to television executives as soon as they can. Set up the characters, set up the situation, set up what people should expect going forward, which is a non-trivial task and admirable, but I feel is actually really well suited to role-playing games. Because while a more intense artistic thing might, you might take one character and explore their journey to the place where they are now, in a role-playing setting, unless there is some deep investment and engagement from the rest of the party, they are just going to be on their phones or asleep. Okay. So the notion is that, and this also takes from recent experiences I've had, which I hope to write up shortly in the form of a semi-review with the game Questlandia. Part of the thesis of what I'm hoping to present is that that game gives you some odd constraints that you don't normally get within role-playing games, or at least they're not spoken, and you get to consider how they will affect your choices and how you affect the game that you're you're hoping to play, and you actually make conscious choices about them, which allows you to think a bit more generally about role-playing games, which I think is awesome. That's a bit of mental calisthenics, I think, that should definitely be engaged in, because 
to varying degrees, and sometimes to degrees people are able to build small role-playing game empires on, people come into games with a lot of unquestioned assumptions and things that are built in. Sometimes that's really convenient. Sometimes it means that it's easy to ensure everyone's on the same page. Everyone knows what a druid is. Everyone knows what an elf is or something like that. But it also means that those unconscious constraints mean that you're either working in a environment where everyone knows the rules and they all agree, except when they don't, everything falls apart hideously, or no one leaves the bubble. The bubble is sacrosanct. And folks play in that kind of mental bubble sometimes for decades and are quite happy but you know occasionally leaving the bubble to see what's going on probably not the worst thing so in that vein what i hope to build out of this was the idea that you are literally building the first 12 and a half minutes of a tv show something like leverage i think they did a pretty high impact opening to that thing they did there might have been a section first setting up the mastermind character and his Robin Hood complex, but when they started to introduce the actual cast, they got, got pretty active. I do remember them being introduced more or less on the job. Mm. They also did a very nice episode where they got caught in the middle of a bank robbery. And so by this stage, you know what they all look like, you know what their jobs are, you just have no idea why they're there. And they were all, like, one of them was one of the robbers, one of them was one of the hostages, and they basically inserted themselves into that situation. None of them were robbers. Okay. They're doing something at a bank, and then the bank gets robbed by somebody else. Nice. That would be an interesting take on it. But basically, the, the game portion of this would be taking various parts of a production process. How I break this down and I'm pretty sure you can't break this down without mortally offending people actually involved in the production of film or television, because it's a very layman's kind of appreciation of what the, the outcomes are. But the idea would be to say, whoever controls the writing probably has the most final influence over the genre of the presentation. And whoever is producing the music probably has the most final influence over the mood. The director would have the the final influence over the dialogue. Though the dialogue is written by the writer, the idea is that how that is presented and how it's delivered is the people completing the stunts and the effects sort of influence the, the how the action takes place. The actual process involves somebody writing all these things down initially and then it going through several different workflows of being chopped up and interpreted by actors and edited in certain ways. So it's way more complicated than that. The idea would be to break it down into, into various roles and have the party come up with a setting characters the event that they are currently in and decide how they want to present it whether they want the team to be um, experienced or you know entirely out of their depth whether they want the characters to be old chums like or have just been all thrown to this and need and, and don't know who you want to know and i'm trying to come up with an idea of allowing everyone to take part and making some sort of currency based sort of economics about this so people can influence things without it getting carried away and somebody going it's cyberpunk ah! and everyone's going what are you talking about hmm yeah okay so you were almost looking at some sort of bidding mechanic for okay, is this more important or that? Where do we go? The reason I had mm. that evil laugh is that uh, in my desk drawer at work, I have a few packs of scrum poker cards, mm. which, to my understanding, with the whole scrum, sprint, agile methodology thing, are basically a way that the different people involved in a thing can assign what they think the value of a particular, in, in a workplace context, task or p 
piece of code or whatever is, how important it is. It seems like you could rework that pretty easily for the okay so you want to yeah you want this to be a bunch of old hands who've known each other for ages we have the they're a bunch of old hands but they don't don't know each other for ages and we've got a bunch of rank newbies who have hanging been hanging around for ages okay cards on the table quite literally mm, to a degree and i think it would be something that encourages people to the, the role should be assigned, so it, you know, the, everyone will get a chance to lead something. But it'd probably be more economically sensible to influence someone else's idea to a degree, not not entirely, rather than try and override one thing completely. So a lot of influence spread thinly would be more effective than just trying to steer one thing. And I suspect the best way to get a constructive outcome is to, you need to have an idea, and you need to say, and, and adding to someone's current idea is the more effective way of doing it. Right, so you don't end up with stuff being roadblocked. And that's, that's something that Questlandia does really well. You give people ownership of certain aspects and you give people the opportunity to enhance and, and grow stuff out. Very improv, I understand, very sort of yes-andy kind of stuff. But the idea would be to have a range of characters that you know people could choose from if they wanted to play a game in the situation. And, and to loop back to the suddenly we're in the middle of the action idea plus the, the Doomtree video is that ultimately the kind of games that get played as role-playing games and the kind of things that get produced from those sorts of settings is that at the end of it you should have a set of badasses walking away from an explosion in the classic power walk. These actors are thinking really hard about the paycheck they're going to get if they, if they pull this off expressions. And that is your game. Okay, so, I mean, what, what you've got here is more or less a game for defining a game. Yep. I suppose the big question is, do you think I want to play the game? Yeah, if you feel like it. Okay. If this was Power Walk, the game of pilots, there would be no stricture, there would be no, no compulsion to do that unless you felt that it was going to be a good thing. And maybe it's like, this is basically the A-team in drag, literally or figuratively. Mm. But the A-team in drag would be kind of incredible. Yeah. Priscilla, Queen of the Desert with cigars and machine guns? Come on. <laughs> I have always imagined Priscilla, Queen of the Desert as being more Mad Maxi, but that's just me. Fair enough. That's the Outback, you mean. <laughs> it, it is more or less the Outback bit, yeah. I, I'm not going to lie. That said... George Pippard with machine gun and cigar in giant shoe on top of bus. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm on board now. I got it. I don't think we are equipped to make Fab Max, but I think we would definitely support anyone who felt they were. See, now because you call it Fab Max, I'm also mashing it up with Thunderbirds and the whole FAB thing. So <laughs> this is just getting weird because now it's like this super marionation A-team in drag in a high stakes combat version of Priscilla Queen of the Desert and I'm not really sure where you go with that to the bank I suspect no that's fair <laughs> and so yes the idea of, a, of a, a metagame about assembling the team while you assemble the team and you know it, it could be retooled for a campaign or it could just be an evening's fun yeah, it, it's literally the outcome is literally that shot of the characters in a line or chevron formation shot from a low angle with something blowing up in the background in whatever scenario they're in, even if it is like a clueless style shopping spree or something. I get it. Yeah, I mean, you've got sort of falling. Yes, it's it's either going to be a once upon a time Baron Munchausen miscellaneous storytelling game sort of thing, which is fun for an evening, or it's going to be a hey, we did that. That was fun for an evening. Actually, I'd kind of like to pick this up and run with it. Hmm. Kind of thing. Yeah. I get it. Interesting. Yeah. Part of the uh, the inspiration for that is 
the disturbingly prolific McElroy brothers have a, a YouTube show they do with uh, Polygon called Monster Factory. And what they do is they create a character in a video game using the character generation system. And generally they try and find all of the sliders that if you whack them to extremes to either end and, and warp the, the figure as much as possible, come out with something unique and amazing and what they consider to be a good boy. The actual taxonomy of boy as they're is the using it in this context is now being studied by people as a new form of expression. It generally means sort of wholesome, enthusiastic, and ready to have fun, but it might be more complicated than that. YouTube is weird. It is deeply weird, and you only ever see the stuff that kind of links to the stuff that you see. Apparently, if you take your, if you look at it without a login, it's Dutch people talking about biscuits and people making slime. Huh. Yeah. Admittedly, I do see completely different things based on whether I'm looking at YouTube on my YouTube account, on my I have made this stupid video account, or on the alternate one that I use for work purposes. Yes. The bubbles are real. The work one gets weird because it's basically this bizarre mix-up of chill step and technical conference videos. Dude, you need to make a third account where you mix chill step with conference videos. Maybe a little bit of light editing and some background special effects of maps fading and zooming and zooming in and out. I mean, some of the developer conference stuff is going to be some Python fades in and then fades out again. Here's an object model diagram dancing across the screen. This is a terrible idea. Yeah, I, I preserve the, the original content, but just kind of blended in with these um, vaguely relevant image and the coolest, chillest music you can find. Just... If, try and select something that's got tempo, same tempo as the speaker in question, and then just kind of just completely zone out and listen to the guy talking about the technical ramifications of using this sort of variable in this sort of setting. So something running at about 20 beats per minute. <laughs> that could kill. So uh, yeah, so partially, yes, the, the McElroy brothers, there may be more McElroys than I'm aware of, because they make about a million podcasts. They have like a weekly schedule, which is disturbing, plus a, lot, a whole lot of other Let's Play style stuff on YouTube and so forth. Their semi-collaborative, semi-combative style of, of building a character, though the character is, is more of an aesthetic choice, it kind of influenced that idea. Plus, the uh, with Questlandia, I got some folks who have been role-playing for a while, a lot of them been out of role-playing for a while, and they really enjoyed this kind of workout, this kind of this, this exercise. I think down to the point, the Questlandia, you choose the syllables that you use for the names. That was the one sticking point. Someone was, was very confused that they couldn't create a character, an NPC called Steve, because we had not had the St and Eve syllables created in the world. I really wanted to have someone called Steve. That might be something that happens in every game, though. It's an odd hill to die on? It is, really. Yeah. Well, some people take those things very seri seriously. Apparently Steve is one of them. I mean, if they're the person who always plays a, a drunken cleric named Steve in every game, regardless of setting, then, you know, maybe that is interesting. Yeah, so it's basically evening imaginative party game workout that maybe spawns a game and maybe doesn't. And I think that would be part of the, again, kind of more a, an apocalypse worldy play to find out. Not, I'm going to come in with a super fixed idea, I'm going to jam it down everyone's throat. Yeah. Because that is you screwing up immediately. But if you say, oh, yeah, we should make them, okay, it's World War Two, and there are the French resistance, but no, it's cyber Nazis, let's do that. And so he was crashed to Earth and raised by some friendly farming dolphins. Wait, what? 
I think that the the real challenge would be to blend in the characters and create a, a degree of ownership, but not sort of like, right, I am playing the barbarian level of stuckedness. Nice. I mean, it puts me in mind of there was a thing that was suggested many, many episodes back now by for, former Couchetier Tonya with a film noir type of game mm. that uh, there were actually some playtests of and what we found was that if you went into it with a very open mind of we're just going to follow this and see where it ends up, it worked quite well. Mm. If you were the sort of person who has trouble doing that and basically wants when you do your bit to have the rest of the story laid out in your mind, it went really, really badly. Yeah, and that's that's understandable. That's where you would actually want... One of the things that Questlandia manages to do is disarm some of those fixed ideas by giving people things to be owners of and putting cons- some of the creative choices, like what sorts of characters go into the story and creating them communally before assigning them to people. I think part of the trick for making Power Walk the pilot would be to deprogram people slightly. There will be some neuro-linguistic, some sort of ritual to kind of shed that, I are barbarian, I do this, part of the brain, until it can be more usefully applied. That, I think, would be the trick. I'm not going to lie, it is making me think of the movie Pontypool. Haven't seen that yet, it sounds creepy as hell. Oh, yeah. Also, I do not understand the ending. Like, at all. Like, at all. Okay. Like, at all. Like, not even. The name that you are calling this has gone right out of my head, but it's a good one. Power Walk the Pilot, or the piloting, if we're going to colon the it. No, we are not. Yeah. And the idea is just basically to get that one screenshot with the uh, the flames in the background and your team advancing to the next adventure. Mm. I mean, they did actually do that Power Walk shot in the pilot of Leverage. They just did it from above, and everybody Power Walked in different directions. That is a statement. Bold, and very specifically about that story. But yeah, that's, that's valid. I mean, they power walked in different directions, then came back from recollection. Yeah, I like it. Thank you. Because I should do mine now, then, I guess. Yeah. I went in a completely different direction with it. Because you, you concentrated very hard on the there's no time to explain meme in media res sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I concentrated almost completely on the fact that it's somebody with an animal head. Because I am nothing, if not predictable, and obvious. Charmingly literal? Let's go with that. Charmingly literal. You can't tell, but I'm doing the finger guns thing. Instead of charmingly literal. Yes, obnoxiously charming. It does not work over radio at all. I mean, I'm just doing this. It is not coming through. I'm looking at the... Nah, your voice was kind of smarmy. It worked. Okay, oh, oh, excellent. All right, as long as the smarm came through, that's the main thing. <laughs> all right, so we had, because of the fact that I had messed up when adding the images to the Trello card representation of this card, I actually started out building the idea using the wrong image and then found it worked okay once I figured out what the right one was. Because the image that I was seeing was this shot I had posted from the the aforementioned Doomtree Grey Duck video of a bunch of people wearing duck masks in a van. Uh, The shot sort of taken in through the windscreen. And Mm. it was only later that I found the guy wearing the horse mask, driving a bus, wearing military fatigues, and clutching a military weapon. And so I was kind of going in that direction, and it put me in mind of something that we had had a punt at back in the high 40s of episode numbers, Mm -hmm. and then kind of set aside because 
we got some guests and found that they were way more interesting. Shocking. <laughs> yeah, people who aren't on this show are more interesting than the people who are on it. Come on, audience, you could at least try to sound surprised. Work with me here. So, in that case, the idea had been based on this fridge magnet that I'd brought back from a tourist-type trip to London of mm. one of the ravens from the Tower of London dressed as one of the Tower of London guard, uh, yeoman warders, I think. They're not beef eaters, but they've got a similar sort of wacky Elizabethan costume. Wacky Elizabethan costume, but yeah, the beef eaters have got the really big hats. I think the guard of the Tower of London, there is a specific term, but I'm blanking on it, are a different unit, a different operation. Hmm. But in any case, I sort of remembered that, looked at the picture of a horse-headed person driving bus, doing the there's no time to explain, looked at the picture of the duck-headed people, and started to think of a urban fantasy setting. It's not quite a low magic urban fantasy setting, mm. but it's a setting where there's probably nobody who can wave a wand and cast a spell. Any actual magic is going to be ritualistic, long-winded, expensive, probably a bit dangerous. Mm. At least risky in terms of resources and time. Indeed. But what there is is a wide variety of fantasy races. And I like the idea that there is different approaches to these various fantasy races, and I particularly like the idea that most of the time, these people just look like regular people. I'm referring to imagery a lot here, so frankly, people are probably going to have to look at a couple of images, maybe watch a music video. My apologies. The idea that you've got a bunch of people who are waiting by the side of a road for a pickup or something, a relatively innocuous situation, and then this horrible old beater of a bus turns up, the door opens, there's somebody who, it turns out, is some sort of horse creature, but he's somebody they recognise, possibly because they can just read the name tag on the uniform, saying, there's no time to explain, get in. Because up until that moment, they had no idea that that guy was a horse. Or of the horse clan, or something like that. Yeah, however it works. So what I'm imagining is a setting where there are a few different ways that you can end up as a critter. I kind of like the idea that the ravens of the Tower of London, the guards, are ravens. But it's possibly a magically imbued thing. And that possibly the reason that they wander around in this frankly archaic uniform is that that's the sort of uniform that they wore when they were in the Queen's service or the King's service back before they became a raven because they've all been around a really long time. A certain amount of tradition to it. Right, right. Or it, it's a contingency, or maybe it just fits raven humans better. Or maybe, it, yeah, possibly it's just, well, this is the design that somebody came up with that fits in a nine-foot-tall uh, anthropomorphic raven. That's just how it worked. I could go either way on whether the whole animal person thing is incredibly common out in the general populace, or whether this is going to be a bit like any Shadowrun game ever, where the demographics of the party is in no way reflective of the demographic graphics of broader society. It doesn't really matter too much either way. Well, if that's the interesting part, I mean, the broad demographics of a vampire uh, or werewolf game isn't reflected in the party, but that's part of the interesting part of it, obviously. You're focusing on the interesting bit. Or basically where the where the edges touch, which could really be an interesting thing. When you've got a moment to pause for breath, I have three pop culture things that come up 
recently that may distort the idea but let's let's do your thing first okay in that case i will throw out basically what i have as far as the idea this next bit constitutes a spoiler for a music video which may in fact be the first time i've ever said that mm-hmm. so if you want to go and watch the uh doom tree gray duck music video there'll be a link in the show notes i'll wait here for you to come back Okay, so now you've watched it. The shtick of the video is basically a van driving around, picking up the various members of the the band. They all put on their duck masks. This is interspersed with a shot of a security guard on a Segway who is just driving around some sort of facility, mostly in the car park. At the end of the video, they get there, there is a standoff, there is a slightly strange dance-off, and then they chuck him one of the duck masks and proceed into the facility. So what I'm taking from that is, he's clearly their inside man. Hmm. And because the duck masks thing is kind of fun, you can link that in with the whole Selkie and Selkie's skin of various bits of mythology that, you know, a Selkie is a seal. But when they take their coat off, they become a person, but the coat still hangs around. Hmm. What if it's the same for whatever sort of anthropomorphic duck critter these guys are, that the reason they turn up and then chuck him the duck mask is that's his actual duck skin? That's the plumage, that's what enables him to transform, because they're all part of the same flock. I did go looking for mythology concerning ducks, and to be honest, didn't find a lot that was much use, other than ducks generally being the butt of jokes, usually at the receiving end of Coyote's tricks, though there is a certain amount of stuff in there to do with ducks being all about stability and members of the community and not going outside of their place in things. Which kind of makes sense if you've got some sort of criminal fraternity made up of ducks. You know, you can all trust each other because you're ducks. I'm racking up things that I want to inject, but the Alan Moore, the song about malicious ducks. March of the Sinister Ducks? Master of the Sinister Ducks, yeah. That I will just throw out there. But yep, fair enough. As far as the setting goes, I'm having a hard time thinking of it as anything other than a slightly shades of grayer version of every Guy Ritchie crime movie ever, Hmm. layer cake, and various bits of the cyberpunk vibe without the actual cyber bit. So the idea of this community of potentially a bit dodgy characters, not necessarily criminals, not necessarily involved in anything crime-related, and not probably the bad guys, but a certain flexibility vis-a-vis what side of the law people are on. Right. They're not the establishment, and they're outsiders to agree that means that they can't do things that make sense. That's it's not a bad place to run an adventure sort of thing from. I rather like the idea of some circumstance with, if you could set it up as a GM, the players talking to somebody setting up an activity perhaps this is done as a sort of a for the greater good kind of situation and then there's a fluttering noise and they realize that somebody that they've been talking to is a raven who then proceeds to not shop them because they're actually doing the right thing that sort of shades of gray situation you could probably do worse than looking at certain bits of the Kerberos club setting Mm -hmm. for the idea of a bunch of characters who are quite dodgy and some of whom are actual villains but they are still loyal parts of the Empire, even if their definition of what that might mean varies. Hmm. And that is more or less the setting. So it's not quite a low magic setting, because I kind of imagine that you've got people who can go all the way from being physically indistinguishable from a normal person to, 
I have turned into a duck and flown away. Right. Okay. All right. So no, I, I get I get the idea. The things that were tripping me up and have got various degrees of relevancy. I'll work backwards to that. People with animal heads will probably make many people think of Bojack Horseman. The relationship between the characteristics of the character and their apparent animal nature varies a fair amount, but no one comments on it, I think, is the specific thing. It's almost, this is just the way the character is drawn. Okay. There are vaguely incomprehensible moments where somebody startles a um, a group of, of people who have parrot heads and they flap their arms and fly away. There is a whole section of an under uh, of an undersea city and so forth. But there is occasional things where they call it out. But mostly it's just that if Princess Caroline leaves a car while it's still moving, she tumbles and lands on all four feet, though normally she is bipedal. It's little things like that. So little personality traits and quirks. So you could have had the characters be human with these with some with majority of these traits and it would have just been huh that's a bit odd mm. but they're kind of drawing attention to it by literally making these these characters that the other thing which is mostly irrelevant except i'm looking at a bookshelf right now is that also reminds me vaguely of omaha the cat dancer which is straight up porn but very well written but had the funny animal thing people having the heads of of animals and eh, vaguely characteristics but not really and that was a vaguely underground comic from the early 80s kind of thing. The other side of it, where you're, where you're stating like the society has got this melange of different kind of peoples and personalities, is a bit shadow running. The downside of that is something like the very recently released Bright. Will Smith, orcs, elves and so forth, magic wands, and really, really clumsy, ham-fisted attempts to inject race and culture into a fantasy world and apparently some of the worst dialogue ever written and uh the writer has turned out to be one of those guys that 2017 has been unearthing at a rate of knots okay so perfect storm of what the fuck yep literally it's just i have not yet started my carefully planned abuse of the netflix free trial period so that i can watch the second season of stranger things and bright so it's worth knowing not to get my hopes up it's apparently it has many good aspects including the makeup the the presentation some of it could and it could have been really interesting it could have just been a straight cop show with some analogies or some references or something like that but a few things happened max landis turned out to be the hideous person and apparently legendarily so which is a shame because i really enjoyed um, the dirk, dirk gently series that got shut down they managed not to credit the makeup department in the movie at all seeing that it's on netflix i think they can probably fix that and yeah the dialogue is just kind of all of the people of color are like gangsters from the 80s or 90s kind of like like they've not actually seen anyone outside of movies no no reference to the world and just some terrible jokes about fairy lives matter and so forth okay so basically go back and rewatch the alien nation tv series that would be a hundred times more nuanced on the dialogue front apparently it sounds like this was a like you say a perfect storm last the last thing people are aware of about films and it's like it is a film you know it's a, a netflix like exclusive production has will freaking smith in it and it's just this fireball okay performing the the ritual of, of cleansing and excluding those from our minds so we are dealing with a society with people can either have or take on aspects from various animals and these have greater meaning than just i have a horse head 
Yeah, maybe it's kind of a Chinese zodiac thing. Maybe it's something a bit weird like that because the different Chinese zodiac houses are supposed to have different personalities and vaguely creep, creepy, desynchronized, um, best marriage sort of prospects, which is like eight years out of sync. Depends on what you're going for as to what it's going to call up, whether these are like secret societies or cultural claves of some sort or traditions or even jobs. You become a tower guard and you take on the aspect of the raven, this this particular aspect of the raven, to guard the tower. So, yeah. I think to a certain extent it would depend... I mean, given that I'm working from two different images here, it, they almost suggest to me two different stories. The bunch of ducks in a van thing suggests to me your straight-up crime caper sort of stories. If I was doing it as some level of campaign... I would probably go with the group, do something criminal, get in over their heads, because that's always a classic, hmm. and sort of do a fairly tightly scoped campaign that basically involves them stumbling onto something that is much bigger than them, and taking the steps to put it right, assisted or possibly at least not actively hindered by various people who maybe should be a little bit more on the law side, but are taking that whole greater good approach. For hmm. the horse guy behind behind the wheel of a bus, that one suggests a flat-out... And, and indeed, you can jump back to the, the in-media res bit of something has gone horrendously wrong, and basically your mate Dave, who you had no idea was a horse, has turned up in this bus somehow, wearing a military uniform. You had no idea he had been in the military. Maybe he hasn't. Carrying some fairly heavy firepower. You had no idea that he owned. Oh, and he's a horse, and there's a really big problem, and he's telling you to get in. So that one, I think, is the the shit is about to hit the fan, and your mate Dave is trying to get you out slightly before it does. Now read right. on. Those are sort of the two different directions I'd go from that. I can't 100% see a way of really merging the two together. Unless you possibly do the, hey, our duck gang has done a job. This is really awesome. Then our mate Dave turns up with a bus because, oh my God, do you have any idea who you just knocked off? Yeah, I think, I think I've identified one of the ways that you approach the game, which is, you know, about time, considering. By the way, it's the game of the big red couch. I kind of get the impression you imagine yourself sitting at a convention, smiling that slightly creepy fixed smile that you you have underneath the the statement or the image and you you want to be able to say look we're doing this this is the game and people to play a game you know, that you run and go yes that encapsulates or that that was definitely involved in the game that we both played and hopefully everyone coming away from that and having and a happy experience i just kind of shuffle the thing into the card index of crap i have seen from popular culture lately and allow it to just, just kind of riffle backwards and forwards and, and see what comes up. And I'm, I'm not judging that as being an imperfection, just figuring that out. That's fair. That you either do that or you, you know, just sort of use it as a, a stepping stone to, well, wherever you wind up. Yeah, cool, cool. Yes, those, those I was imagining as scenes from a game. I mean, system-wise, you'd want to go with something that's reasonably relaxed about people changing shape. I mean, fate is, is a pretty well-trodden road at this point. I did unconsciously use the phrase aspect earlier, but I don't think that was totally out of bounds. If you were going with a science fictional approach to it, then Eclipse Phase, Transhumanity's Fate edition would probably be a good way of going. But then at that point, rather than, and I magically transform into a horse or a duck or a raven, it's, okay, I'll just download myself into a different body. 
eh, not really the same thing, and not as much fun, I feel. I, I think you're conflating the mechanic with the process in the game a bit too closely. That's true. I mean, you could just play TMNT. Granted. And some characters with bizarrely turtles would be the toughest and most undefeatable. That and weasels would just have, you know, astonishing stats, and despite, you know, other creatures being much bigger and or faster. Inexplicably tough, yes. Inexplicably tough. Well, no, not uh, not they. They are the bloody franchise. Of course, they were tough. Eh. Okay, that one needs more exploration, I think, because, like I say, you want to figure out how the atavism is probably the wrong word, because suddenly we're back to like the uplift saga and and so forth. But the animalistic nature, or the 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 aspect of the creature that you're taking on, and like I said, it could be literally your job. It might be a very serious commitment, but yes, you might be taking on the aspect of something to do a role or to fulfill a particular thing, or it might be a legacy or part of your um, cultural heritage. I would probably go with a mixture of all of them, just depending. So I like the idea that, you know, going back to the Tower of Ravens, that's a part of the job, but maybe it's the sort of thing that, once that's your job, it's literally a job for life, shall we say. One of the obvious parallels is from the Girl Genius comic and the Jaeger Monsters. Hmm. Because being a Jaeger monster is very much a job for life. I don't recall what the process was of being a Jaeger monster, apart from hats. It, it is mentioned that there is the Jaeger draft, that you drink it, and if it doesn't kill you, you become a Jaeger monster. Mostly it just kills you. Right, okay. So, they are supernatural to some degree. That kind of thing. In other cases, I like the idea that it's just handed down genetically rich tapestry of options and yeah it would kind of depend on the sort of story you wanted to tell in that setting you know in much the same way that shadow run has that baseline of you are criminals doing crime things for pay that is the sort of the core assumption but you don't actually have to go with it while what i am imagining is a somewhat shadowy world of supernatural critters in the modern day that wouldn't necessarily have to be the only place you go with it mm. Actually, speaking of funny animal people, another thing that I can see from the uh, the bookcase, staring directly at my bookcase of graphic novels is probably going to influence recordings we make from my uh, plush studio in the suburbs. But the story's Black Sad. It's a Euro, Euro comic, very well drawn. Everyone's you know, funny animals. There's one with a, um, a winter theme where there's a bunch of Arctic coat supremacists, you might say. Right. Anywho, if I was ever to run... A game that's nominally furry. Neither of the titles I mentioned, either Omaha or Black Sad, there is a specific world of furry. And these things are adjacent, but only as, say, adjacent as the Disney Robin Hood or things like that. They probably uh, have influenced and are influenced by that probably not Disney one that probably started the whole thing. Go you, Disney! But if I was to do anything in that side of realm, the explanation for why these these things happen these things happened is that you're working in a world where uh, genetic manipulation has become quite advanced. And like in Transmetropolitan, you could buy traits to change yourself in your your physical form into that of a anthropomorphic animal. And judging from the internet today, that would have a, a degree of popularity. People would pay for that. It's probably a hell of a lot less uncomfortable than a fursuit. People spend thousands of dollars on those things. They're very dedicated. That is true. So if you could get it done with a potion, or the scientific equivalent of, yeah, that would sell. Unfortunately, if you had that level of genetic science running around, 
can be very possible for some ne'er-do-well to attempt to create a racially specific disease or something as some sort of bioterror or something. My notion is that the result of one of these being botched, just basically going crazy, but people discovered that the way to not be targeted by the disease in question was to take one of these traits and effectively change your species. Suddenly, everyone gets to go, well, apparently I'm going to have an animal head for the rest of the foreseeable future. What's available? And you'd end up with like entire groups making very specific choices about Right, my nation has these creatures, and we can cre- create this sort of like this, this 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 trait set and apply it to ourselves to survive this horrible plague. We will choose it for this reason, and some folks are just getting whatever they get. So you end up with a society with demarcations based on possibly what their forebears could afford in this genetic lottery and an attempt to evade the terrible plague, which rather than going from targeting a specific subsection of humanity, wound up targeting humanity. And humanity dodged. Well, as many of them as they could, but I can I can see like entire like organizations or, you know, religions or national groups or something like that going, okay, we are the mighty buffalo. We're all going to be buffalo. Plus, we happen to have a lot of buffalo DNA on hand. Well, that worked out nicely. It's right here. And you'd wind up with a subset of people. And I guess this is, this could be the uh, a very bad fanfic prelude to Zootopia or something like that. Or Zootropolis, because there seems to be two different titles for that film, which confuses the crap out of me sometimes. Uh, I think there could be two different titles, but there's also some people running the dark fanfic version, which is like Zoo Dystopia. See, it could have been worse. I thought you were going to go with Zoophilia. <laughs> Well, that's kind of inescapable at this point. Okay, so moving on from that... Yeah, it was this generation's Lion King. If you don't know, don't ask any more questions. Chirp. Chirp. No judgement, I'm just, you know, some places, if you haven't noticed, you don't need to ask. Now I'm thinking of that awful comic. See, at this point I have no idea what you're on about, so I'm quite glad of this. Okay, so yeah, that would be that would be a scenario where people get these traits, and it's part of a not necessarily a hierarchy, but possibly a hierarchy in the society. So that's kind of the crazy idea that I've never put into action because I've not needed to. It does sound like a nuclear option <laughs> to some degree. Well, I think we've kicked that idea to death reasonably solidly. Indeed, there was no time to explain. Hopefully, no one was run over by the bus. And I am now just imagining the there's no time to explain bus trip, various animal critters dropped into the plot of the TV show Jericho for some reason, which is just a weird notion. Right, I never watched that. I probably should. I heard good things about the season and a half that exists. Yeah, it's got some good stuff going on. It's got some good character development and some character depth. Cool. Alrighty, so from the depths of the inter-Christmas New Year doldrums, I guess we will bid our faithful listeners farewell and we'll see everyone next time hope you had a good christmas hope it was a happy one hope you have a fantastic new year indeed and we will catch you next time take care everybody want to hear more of our shenanigans then go to hoarde.net and click on the button that looks like a couch the big red couch is released under attribution non-commercial share alike 3.0 unported from creativecommons.org all music on the show comes from the album universal fluff theory by krakatoa visit them at krakatoa.com or follow the link from our page see you next time